Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Coaches World podcast. Today, we are joined by Petteri Kelpivara. Um, I, I met Petteri in 2017 when I started my volunteer social years in Dresden. And he was also the person who introduced me to the program. And afterward, I uh, applied to the program. And he actually also helped me a lot with the process. Um, he and Jochen, they both helped me a lot. And then um, I got introduced. Uh, actually, I got invited to the, all the interviews. And then I got into the program. And then I was still thinking a bit. But then at the end of the day, I decided to come here. And overall, it was a pretty good decision. So he has been... He has been playing a big role and for me it's, it was very interesting it was very nice that we actually had the opportunity to speak to him because of course that he has been helping me so much with getting in here i've also been following his path when i have been leaving we have been in touch a few times and um it's just and also just now after the conversation we talked a bit and it's really cool to see that some of the people we had on here he had on he has been knowing since he was studying in viromeki and also just Really cool to see how actually the path can go, starting to study in in, in Finland, um, being head of coaching and everything like that. But Petri starts, uh, we'll talk about this more in depth, but at, then at the end of the day, ending up as an, currently as an assistant coach for the Dresden Eisleben Union, uh, for the Dresden Eisleben. And um, yeah, as I said, overall, and the thing, what I'm, what that's always the, most fascinating thing for me if we speak to people here like Petri now and he has been knowing these people since he has been studying in Viromeki and also just the combination with studying here and then studying in Uvascola is very valuable and he's been he will talk about this also more in depth in the interview. Yeah it was a, a lot of fun I this is the first time I got the chance to meet Petri and it was a lot of fun to to catch up with him and, and kind of get to know his story a little bit and and to your point about him knowing so many of our guests, it's it's cool to look back and see not only how many of our former students, alumni of the program have have we connected to personally. It's it's also cool to to see how much of an impact and, and kind of spread that we've had throughout not just the hockey community, but the sports community all over Europe and all over the world. I know there's a few alumni now in, in North America as well. And it's it would be really cool to one day kind of sit down and figure out where all of our alumni have ended up and, and kind of um, put them in, in all of the different clubs and everything that we've had um, kind of a, some sort of impact to it. It would be uh, a really interesting project, but anyway, back to the conversation with Petri, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of different things. Uh, it was cool to see how he, he kind of learned some of the things from his time with the women's team and how he implemented that men's team. Um, and, and then kind of just talking about how he, he saw the, the role of a coach as well was, was interesting to me. But we'll get to that more in the episode. So we don't want to keep anyone here any longer. Uh, and we hope you guys enjoy. So now we would like to welcome on Petrike Pivara. First of all, Petri, thanks for taking the time and joining our show. And um, before we start with the with the normal normal conversation, how is everything going in Dresden today? Thank you, guys. First of all, for for inviting me, it's it's a pleasure to be on the show. In Dresden, it's uh, it's a little bit two sided. Let's say from hockey, we're 
we're out of the playoff picture unless we would like other teams would start losing a lot and we would win win pretty much all of our games um it's been been an up and down season with a lot lot of things happening but um otherwise then in Destin it's it's beautiful as always plus 20 degrees sunny nice weather can't complain yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's the first time I'm seeing a blue sky in a couple weeks now, so I'm a, a little bit jealous of you. But, um, you know, I, it's it's great to have you on, and you know, you've known Rick now for I think three or four years. Um, but for for my sake, would you go in a little bit to your your background and kind of just give us a a brief overview of yourself and where you kind of got started in coaching and um, where you got started as a youth and what kind of sports you were involved in and stuff like that. All right, so yeah, I I um, grew up in a small time <laughs> town, sorry, in in the western part of Finland, and I was involved in pretty much all ball games my childhood. Um, I I played as a goalie myself, and I played until then under twenty, where where then um, I always say that I was lucky with a little bit injuries, and then I had. Uh, whatever you like to call it, overtraining syndrome or whatever. But that was, I think, my biggest luck because in that time, I started to really think about what else to do than playing hockey. And, and I started thinking about getting into coaching. And luckily then during that time, I, I applied also to Viermaki and got accepted. But but um, going a little bit back then, um in that waiting time I started doing a little bit already camps more more goalie coaching and then as soon as I got into Vierumäki I was um got to um coach with actually Robert Anderson who's should be still in in Vierumäki he as a, his assistant in the in the junior team over there and during the years there I worked with the same guys um for a couple couple of seasons and then then um as it was time for the work placement year i i uh did then started my work placement as the head of coaching for for Heinolan Kiekko and also then simultaneously worked with the with the men's team as starting off as a goalie coach to an assistant coach to all all sorts of combinations um and then while well, also a dp student uh Janis Inkkonen was then the head coach at that time and I think that was then two and a half three seasons I did that and then when I decided to move on and do my master's then after the Viromaki studies were done or then um I got accepted and then I did my master's in in coaching and fitness testing it's officially called the degree in in the Vascula and did some junior coaching there um, on the side already I think it was my last year in Heinola then I got involved to um, um, voluntary father coach who who was then happened to be also the, the Finnish um, women's um, national team head coach Pekka Hamelain and he asked me to to if I would be interested in in coaching with him in the female national team and obviously I was and and then all together I was also a part of their um, journey for four years until the Sochi Olympics 
And um, then, then when I finished my um, master's studies in the US school after that, then I, I was looking for, for a new challenge or a new, new job in general where I could stay involved. And um, then I found, found something in uh, La Peranta in Saipa where I then worked uh, five years as the, as the head of coaching for the juniors. And um, yeah, then one it was beginning of 2017 where where I felt like I would like to see something different, feel and get a new challenge as well. I already thought about going abroad when, when it was time for the work placement in Vieromaki. Then true, actually, Kalle Valia, who has been on your show as well, um, got connected a little bit in Germany. And then um, also Rick's friend, Johan, Mulle, Johan Mulling, uh, called me one day that Dresden is looking for a junior coach. And I was over here. I, I liked it. So since... 2017 uh, May, I've been in Dresden first as a under 16 coach, then under 20 coach combined with assistant coach uh, for the men's team. And this is now my first year where I'm just um, full time working for the men's team right now. Well, yeah, there are a lot of things to talk about, but first of all, maybe we should start. That's actually when you started to coach in Dresden in 2017, that's when I joined the club as well. I just finished my school in Berlin or actually in Potsdam. And afterward, I moved to Dresden to do, to do, to do a volunteer social year there as a coach. And then we met. And after a while, you have been introducing the program to me. Um, and that's how I got involved as well here. And that's always very interesting. And especially your background is interesting for, for me because you had the opportunity to study in Viromeki. And then you did your work placement in Heki, Heino Lakiakko. And then you also studied in Yuvaskula. And I know that um, from a few friends and what you hear that, for example, the, the studies in, uh, in Biromeki and in Yuvaskula, they are both a bit different, but both are very beneficial. So from your perspective, that what are the difference between the studies and how have they helped you to prepare for your coaching path? I think... Um... It's a like, very, very good question in that sense because we, we talked about it. I have a friend of mine who we, we did this um, kind of the same same path in studies. And I think without being in Vieromaki, I don't know if I would have got so much hockey on my plate. Um, in Yuvaskula, it's very, like, it's very scientific, very high-quality um, program, but it's not so specified on a single sporting event or sporting um what do you call it sport um and and then with the knowledge i had from from Vieromaki, or also getting not just hockey but the general uh knowledge of psychology physiology uh, everything i could deepen all of that in in uvascula also maybe choose some certain um areas on my where we what was flexible in the study plan that I wanted to do a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that and also in Uvascula what I noticed that um, what which was positive after being in a hockey atmosphere in Vieromaki that got to talk a lot with with people from different sports and also you had classmates that were 
uh, in different sports. Um, and I think, for example, you know, you have skiers, you have uh, um, people who do athletics, you have people who um, are somehow with a ball sports background. And that was really like uh, then also a good colorful mix. And um, then also the a couple of our, our um, um, professors, they are very like, one is very highly known in all of the um, weightlifting studies or any any strength uh, strength training studies all over the world. It was interesting discussions with him. Usually, kind of the topic that we started with in class ended up with talking something about strength training that was interesting to us. Or we had guys who were specialized in uh, endurance sports, and we could really deeply talk about that. Um, let's say, on the other hand, then I got a lot of information, um, and and I learned a lot. But what I then also noticed over the years now is that there's only really a certain percentage of it that you use on a daily basis when you're when you're coaching, especially as normally your your staff is has clear roles and and maybe you do a little bit of um, um, combination combination jobs as an especially as an assistant coach. But in general, um, it's good to know, but it's something that you don't know or need on a daily basis necessarily. But but at least it deepens your understanding and it, it makes it possible that you can also, for example, about physiology, you can you can always answer a question and explain why things are done a certain way, but no players are going to be able to understand and they don't even care about if you start um, explaining about what is with ATP or what is with... Um, uh, phosphocreatine or whatever you know so but it was was all in all a very very good decision to do all of that and i i would recommend it to anyone who who wants to study more after Vieromaki. yes it's a good option but i like i said in the beginning i think the combination of both was perfect for me we just had a um a lecture just yesterday about hydration and I think that what you said it, it hits spot on it may not be you know you may not need that depth of knowledge every day as a coach but it was really interesting to learn the the behind the scenes kind of the science behind why hydration is important and what aspects of you know sports drinks and everything like that are important to you know maybe to explain it to a player that's curious or something like that I think but it's a uh, it's it was an interesting class for sure. It was something I learned a lot in that class. But anyway, I'm, I'm interested because you, you've had kind of a, a, a rich experience or a rich variety of experiences as a hockey coach. You know, you've worked as a head of coaching. You've worked as a goalie coach. You've worked with national teams. And now you're working with a, a men's team in Dresden. So out of all those experiences, what has had what has been your, your favorite or, your, um, or do you have a favorite kind of memory in hockey? Uh, and if so, can you share that with us? Yeah, it's you have a lot of a lot of uh, good memories, I think. But for me, I I would say I thought about it um, a lot myself. But I think 
where I felt like as a young coach, I learned the most and also like learned from the other coaches was my first couple of years in the, in the women's national team together with um, Pekka Hamelainen and Jari Risk was the other assistant. And it's not just because I learned specific things of the game or whatever, but just working with people that have experience and especially Pekka, I think he's, he has his own business also um, where he teaches a lot of things like about leadership and how to, you know, create a working organization or, or whatever. And he's really, he's, not so much maybe even the hockey side of it, but just how to how to be a leader, how to manage the people around you. When I think back at it, it was it was really something that I thought then that having having that made me um, five to ten years older as a coach. Even though I was, you know, I didn't maybe have to gather some of that information by by just grinding through the years i i think just just by learning observing listening talking with with especially with pekka did did bring a lot to me and also also brings back good memories it was always fun to go to work with those guys even though in that time everyone was doing their own jobs on the side and then uh the the national team coaching was then more or less and a, an extra side job so you had to put in a lot of hours but it was it was fun and it was a very very good experience for me at least as a young coach so we've been trying to break into the the world of women's sports and specifically women's hockey for a while and get someone on to to chat about that and the growth that it's had over the last you know two or three decades and also the the impact and just the skill level of the game nowadays it's been fantastic to watch and and everything like that. But can you dive into a little bit about uh, a little bit more about that learning that you had with the women's team and, and how that kind of carries over um, to working with, with men now? Is there any uh, similarities or anything that you, you learned while working with the women's national team that you are now using coaching the, the men's team in Dresden? For sure. And I think, um, well, starting off first, I think Coaching women is, for most part, I would say, great. It's awesome. They're 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 always listening. They're doing what you ask from them. They're also. I'm sorry. There's coming a little bit background noise here right now. Um, the and and they're also. You can give them responsibility, and they carry it, which is kind of what you want to have with men or boys but it's not always so easy um but what is not so easy sometimes with with um women is that they they don't nah, how would i say they don't dare to challenge the because hockey is a game you have to read and react if the coach draws out a line that you need to go exactly there but if, it, if the situation is a little bit different here or different there, they don't always have the toolbox. To, okay, this is what I need to be doing. So go, go around here instead of here. They're not maybe so good in always understanding the game and, and read and react. And I'm not saying um, in general women, but I think it's maybe the background of 
not always playing so much ball games when they're when they're smaller or being in team sports, which is more natural for boys. But again, I would say the and also the experience of women not not in a negative way at all. They wanted to know always like, yeah, why do we do this? And what do we have to do next? And you always had to be prepared also as a coach, which you always should be, but be prepared for follow-up questions that had to do with the topic. And and that really as a young coach you felt felt a couple of times first like, well, what is why do they ask this? And you feel kind of a little bit challenged but in the in the end of the day learned over time that that's not not a question to challenge the coaches knowledge or authority they just they're more curious and they need a sense of meaning more in their what they're doing and I think that was a very good um, learning experience for me because I think um, in general, that's what you need to do. Don't matter if it's it's children or 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 men or female. You you need to have a reason behind what you do and be able to explain if needed why we are doing certain things the way we are. And um, and I think in general, then too, um, being involved in an international atmosphere for sure was something that you know saying again I would consider myself a young coach back then um brought a lot of a lot of uh experience from international events international games playing for a full um Ottawa Senators Stadium against Canada uh opening game in the world champs where the whole rink is full and shouting it's maybe some something you don't experience ever as a coach that the rink is so loud that you can't hear the other coaches on the bench just so many things that that um i'm grateful for that i that i could experience back then and i think going back to what what i use on a daily basis now from that experience i think it's tough to single out um single things but i said as as an experience that I always um, try to have a reason behind what I do, which I think every every coach should, but it learned me to think in a certain way that when I prepare for a season or I prepare for a practice or, or whatever we're doing, that it has to be somehow linked with what we're doing in the big picture in general and what we want to achieve or what we want to achieve in a certain player's uh, development um yeah that's kind of first what what comes to my mind from from that right now well uh, especially the the comparison here have been drawn out or, or talked about here between coaching women's and between coaching men's or boys um there are some similarities I've been coming across with talking to people who have been involved in here in Biromeki and coaching women's and um, coaching boys. And the other thing too, what you have been just mentioning, that if you play such an opening game in front of um, thousands of people, making that experience must be very unique, magical. And I think it's it's really, really tough to put this in words and really to describe it because I think just if you stay there, 
you must be so overwhelmed from the atmosphere and the entire and, and from the entire env environment. And one thing you have been mentioning quite often now uh, during our conversation is the 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 the, the words uh, young coach, and um, it's very interesting to me because I know that, for example, you have been starting already coaching at a pretty young age. So back then, what was your motivation to start coach to start to coach, and why did you start it? I think. Um one thing for sure was I was always um, I'm looking for the English word, but I was always a guy who who liked to train. I like to like to work hard. I like to, and I still still love doing sports. And I I try to think that where could I put in some of that energy if I don't play myself or, you know, um. And I think that's where I first started to think that would coaching be a thing for me. Um, and then I started trying it out a little bit first on some camps and started feeling more and more like something something um, I, I could like doing, but it wasn't like a for sure thing. But I think one or the maybe the biggest thing in my mind was that I I had already at a young age decided that whatever, when I study further, I want to do something with sports. Um, and I think that led me kind of already on the path of, of, of thinking about going into sports studies. And uh, I would say, luckily at that time, the, the degree program was then already going in Vieromaki and, and uh, everything went well and I got in and, and then I got on that, combination of doing what was a passion for me um hockey and then and obviously kind of at the same time kind of a little bit of a plan what i had for studies so doing sports um and of course i just doesn't have to do with with the um decision to start coaching so much but i must say i'm grateful for um being able to do my passion as as my work, even though I don't consider it as work, it's it's um, it still feels fun. I still enjoy it, and that's why it's not like going in and 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 uh, checking your your card at eight and checking out at four o'clock. But but because I I can see that with a lot of people that if you're not feeling feeling comfortable with what you're doing they end up then you know losing a lot of that passion and so far I'm since yeah I would say now over 10 years or around 10 years I've been I've been able to do do hockey full-time and I'm very grateful for that and hopefully hopefully I can still keep uh, going on the same path but like said, for me, important is as well that it has to feel right. It has to feel like this is what I want to do because on the other hand, uh, let's say I couldn't live with myself if I would just go in uh, to a practice just to do a couple drills for the players and then go home without thinking about it. That's, that's not who I am. And that, therefore, therefore um, I need that passion in the background and so far so good i think you you hit it spot on there and, and i think that it's such an, an important piece of 
of coaching to, to make sure that it, it feels right and that you have a, a why behind it that you kind of you really believe in. And, um, I have to say, like, I, I think we're all pretty blessed here to, to hopefully, well, for Rick and I, it's still we're still young guys, but hopefully make a career out of coaching. It really, truly doesn't feel like work. And you just mentioned that it, it's more than just showing up and, and running, you know, a series of drills for your players. So can you dive into what you see the, the role of a coach being? And I'm especially curious about this because you've worked at so many different levels of hockey. Has that, that role of a coach, has that changed throughout your career or does it depend more on the, the level that you're at and the, the age group that you're at? Yeah. Like, like in the big picture, I think it's, it's the same. Like you're working with, you're working with people. Of course you can call them players or you can call them whatever you want, but you work with people. That's bottom line, the same thing. Um, no matter if you're working with children or with adults. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is first of all that you have to connect with the people somehow um and and then maybe the biggest difference is just that that as they get as um the people get older they um start to also have more more cognitive readiness so as you can involve them more and more in their own development um and obviously there's then also coming the the facts of how competitive are you in your you know your your sport do you want to um, play it more as a hobby recreation or do you want to really go somewhere that's kind of where it divides for sure in a certain way because as a coach then even though i see the main thing is then uh, let's talk more about wherever you want to draw the line where competitive sports starts, but when competitive sports starts, then there's certain demands that the sport sets. And, and if you really ha- want to have, have a goal of playing on a national team or playing pro, then it's also your job as a coach to make sure the, the players understand what, it, what needs to be done to be able to even dream about that. Um, and maybe... One point that I would bring up, what what I've like, it's more the experience from the last year since all the players we work with do it professionally, fully professionally. Um, it's also more in the environment of pretty much when it's about just winning. In the end of the day, as a good example, I think it's over the last three seasons here, or this is my third. Um, right now we have the fourth head coach and we've also um, had two different sport directors the third one new one is coming for the new season so just to show how quickly people can be changed and also that goes to players and also sometimes um, you have to instead of finding a nice uh, discussive way to reach that winning is is um, you have to be straightforward, you have to be more demanding, and you have to more act in on short term to reach reach something instead of um, if you think about working with juniors and in general, I think that is the way you work with pros as well. 
um, that you have a long-term plan, you want a and a development plan. But when when it's about winning, it's it's about um, getting the job done right then instead of you know. As an example, I think this is the easiest for each coach. We're leading one goal um, or one goal up. There's three minutes left. And when I coach juniors, I stick to my principles. I tell my defensemen every time, try, there, it's, you're not allowed to rim the puck. You have to make a play or you tell your forwards that don't throw the puck away try to control it every time over the lines in, in the pro world. It's then, all right, now just get the puck out. No risks. Same thing forwards on the blue lines. Chip it in deep. Get it behind their D. Don't risk anything. Or you say that defensemen, you're not pinching anymore, even though that's a part of our game system. And I think then when you talk about juniors, at least that's how I see it. You never change your philosophy or your 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 plan of how you want to develop your players or you have certain rules or structures in 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 as a team you want to keep going the same way and i'm not saying obviously there's important games than let's say under 20s under 18s where you might do what i said before but i think you got the the picture of what i tried to explain so so now you have been just mentioning an example that sparked my curiosity because you explained that on the junior side, for example, is that when there are three minutes left in the game, you do not tell your players to rim the puck. You still want to encourage the player to make a play. And at the same time, I think that I can imagine that this is one part of your philosophy. And you have been just mentioning also right now that um, the way how you want to play needs to align with your coaching philosophy. So for yourself that what what is your coaching philosophy and also what are your what are your core values it's a it's a broad question but let's start it from from um, what you just said if you, if you think about um, the way of playing is that i would like my team to manage the puck be able to have the the skill set to do so obviously and that's the then job of the coach to build such such practices that encourage um and develop the skills with the puck so passing shooting stick handling and in general that that thinking in that way that we want to always um solve situations by playing instead of just thinking always that don't take the risk or whatever but i i must say here just in between that let's say i've been pretty much in during my my um hockey coaching career involved in all of the different um ages coaching now right now i'm coaching a men's team and i'm really it's more and more opening my eyes to what the work should be even more like what mistakes maybe I made here and there where how, how important the skill development is and how important the also um, teaching the game is for, for them preparing the players, obviously to move then 
one day to the men's level or or to a competitive um, um, junior environment like under 18 and under 20. And this is kind of where where um, comes down to that that um, I want my if we talk more intense of if we talk about how my team would be looking or playing, I want them also to be able to to skate um, in you know how would I say it? skate in all situations. Um, so, for example, on offense, that we we are able to carry the puck and pass the puck from from skating to skating so that we don't lose speed um, uh, all, all over the ice. I want us to play together as five, which is, I guess, a pretty typical Finnish way. So we don't stretch out our, our five-man unit too much that we have good distances to each other. And in the offensive zone, I think also giving the players structure but also freedom. So with structure, I mean, there's certain things I would like to see that we bring our rushes to the net. We we don't um, try to always beat guys one-on-one necessarily. That's why, we, why you do the skill work. You want to give the players freedom and not make them make them too much of robots when, when it's about offense because you have to be creative to to find um, different ways to score. And also I think that they can uh, test out some of the skill that they have. And again, um, I'm trying to more um, or talk from a team perspective, but also in, in the background in my head is going all the time that what, what skills are needed over time to to bring a player to, for example, in, in the environment where I'm working right now with, with men, that that it's a process that takes obviously years and years, but but um, I still would um, prefer my, my team to play in, in that way, that we encourage them to play instead of um, going, thinking of low or what is, is it too risky or not? Obviously, we need to learn from from mistakes where we maybe maybe um, get a goal against. But as long as the player is learning, it's it's that's fine. And instead of that, the player will never go to his limits and try what he can do. For example, with the puck, um, defensively, also pressure skate be active, be aggressive instead of sitting back. And that's part of also where I see it's on the, on the other hand as well, from a, from a, also from a conditioning perspective that that's the type of game that is, I think, played mostly all over the world nowadays. You have to be able to skate. So you have to be in, in the shape that you, you can do that for, 50 plus games a year and then obviously you have to have the, the um, skating technique so that you obviously you want to be powerful you want to be explosive but also 
as ergonomic as possible so have good edge work have have uh, the readiness to make tight turns start, starts and stops you know all of that but I don't want to be carried away too much from the topic but but um, I would say in in the big picture an active way of playing and also a way of playing that encourages the players to play the game instead of dump and chase hockey um if i would go back then to the kind of the other side of your question what is what is my what is my core values i would say in first thing hard honest work there's no there's no substitute for that i think it goes down to to me as a coach and my my players as well you know talk less and do more um and then also um when when it's up to me if i'm in that position that i can as a head coach decide how the atmosphere is in the team i want to involve the players as much as possible even even if it's a pro team in in at least being able to discuss and solve our problems or solve situations or find a way together getting everyone to be on the same page and have an open atmosphere i think that's important for me and um i think also um one thing is honest or honesty you have to be honest um, with your players you have to be honest with yourself uh, otherwise the players sooner or later will see through you and and trying to trying to play someone else that you're not so being yourself and working in honest way that that's what i would say as a last thing i want to i want to dive deeper into to kind of your philosophy and your values there and just kind of kind of get at the the reason you know why um why you coach the way that you coach so what has had the you know we we talked about the women's team but what has had the biggest uh impact on how you coach today is it is, is there a, an individual um, or is there kind of a, a certain memory or experience that has had a, a kind of a profound impact on how you coach? Um, I would say there's, I, I touched, like you said, I touched uh, a part of it, but I think I've picked away on a lot of stuff here and there over the years. Like I said, as an example, now just the last, this is my third year, and now we have our fourth head coach over that time. I think from all already all of those four guys, I picked something along with me, especially more working in a men's professional world. It's, it's different than, than when we talk about juniors. Um, and then also on the other side of the coin, I also learned a lot that that's not the way I would do things. And I think there's a at least for me, there's a clear division between if what is your role on a coaching staff. I've been now assistant coach for a long time. And um, bottom line is even though like the uh, bringing always your own philosophy is not so easy than with the into the team that you're working with because that's um, bottom line, it's outlined by the head coach. And that's why um, 
it's difficult to reflect it from the last years. I just can reflect from the years that I had or I was in that position to kind of that I have the power to to um, go and work in a certain way. But on the other hand, that goes to, again, core values, I think, where I, I think it's extremely important that you have to stay loyal to your head coach no matter what. No matter what is your opinion on certain things, or you think things are different, or you should do things different, because otherwise you will just start to feel feel very uncomfortable in your job. I think, and it's also that you you will have uh, unnecessary stress for yourself if you don't. Obviously, you know, like as an example, I take we have had. Um, last year's here North American coaches we've had some European coaches um, and everyone has a little bit of a different style or, or identity of how to play the game and in the end of the day I can say I learned a lot from that experience that maybe we played a different way that I've never never played with my teams before which was very enrich or like enriching, but still I know that it also taught me that that's not the way I want to play. It made it even clearer to me that this is still the way I want to play the game. But it but it didn't mean that that we had to disagree about it every every day. You know, he outlines what we wanna, what is what is our plan, what is our structure, and then we work together to make that better. And I think that's, uh, for me at least, I'm that way as a person, like I said, being honest, being loyal, I think that's very important. And, but, but really I can't say that, that a certain coach or a certain time where I learned the most, I think I've been, I've been learning all the time in good and bad, so to say, over the years that I've been coached. Well, now you have been now you have been just told us here right now that one 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 something that is very important for you, regardless of whom you work, and the cooperation you have inside the coaching stuff, is that you stay loyal to your um, head coach. And overall, now the last three years you have been working as an assistant coach, and you have been working um, with the women's as an assistant coach with the national team. But you have been well, you have been working as a head of coaching. There is more the leadership role, and you have been working as a head coach um, in Dresden when I was, for example, also there. And you have been also working with the under-20s as a head coach. So you have gained the experiences in both roles. So from, an, from a coaching perspective, um, could you compare and contrast these roles? And how do you see the role of a head coach and the role of an assistant coach? Um, of course, and it's like, Let's start with that, that it ha have, has to do with what do you have for possibilities? Because let's say as a head coach here in Germany, that was a really eye-opening experience when coaching the juniors that you were pretty much, you're the only staff you got. And then you got, um, in the time I was, I was then here, we worked as each other's assistants um with Johan Molling that we he was the under 20 coach and I was the under 16 coach and we helped each other out on the ice but compared to from Finland where I was used to that 
even though they weren't full-time people, but we had from three to six people or coaches on the staff, maybe voluntary uh, dads helping out, whatever it was. But we had a usually at least three guys uh, out out for every practice. So it's very, very um, different um, setting about where how you can divide and give out different tasks and responsibilities to people because in the end of the day, if you're by yourself, you have to do everything by yourself. Um, but me, from my perspective, how I see it, if I work as a head coach, I want to to give as much to the people around me if they if they feel they are ready for it and if they want to do it. What I mean by that is that, and I think that was a good, uh, Thing I learned back from the time when I was with the women's national team from Pekka Hamelain and that he was he was giving out a lot of responsibility um, as assistant coaches and made us also feel very motivated about what we were doing and and I kept that with me and I I'm, will keep that with me that as long as I have the people and and the people are willing and they have the um qualities or they are willing to learn to do certain areas for example running the power play or running the penalty kill or running the whole practice and i just watch it more or less from the side um that's how i think of how you should be working as a head coach and you're more you're the leader of your coaching staff and then of course leader of the team um and then i think when we go then from being an assistant coach um that's the ideal setting that it would be at least that's like how i would be willing to work with a head coach who's also willing to give out some responsibility to me as an assistant instead of worst cases that you show up every day the only thing you're expected to do is that the pucks are in the right place for each drill and maybe you chat around with a couple of players but you don't really have any responsibility and that's where you also start to feel a little bit useless and worthless and unmotivated and i wouldn't wish that for 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 anyone who's who's involved in coaching and especially as I've kind of seen it from both sides quite often. So I can just speak, speak for myself um, that I've been in situations where I felt very motivated and also very unmotivated. And therefore, this is the way I think from a, if I would be the head coach, I would want to involve the people around me and that's what they're there for. And also understanding that bottom line there's people that are smarter than you in certain things and th therefore you should let them do it and not always think you're the smartest guy in the room this being smart is then to let the smartest guy do what he can do better than you so but yeah that's i don't know if it answered your question but at least that's some thoughts from me on the topic well yeah especially the the thing about that as an assistant coach that you want to have the responsibility and 
then you feel much more motivated. I can also relate to this. And I think this also goes back to the one of the most essential things if we're working with human is the self-determination theory. We have been speaking about this uh, very often. And um, there's that every every person, when you work with people, they need autonomy and that they need to feel competent and they need to also have the opportunity to relate. And I think especially that piece as an assistant coach, autonomy and having the opportunity to to bring the things on the table that you can bring and you want to bring is such very crucial. And I think um, one question I wanted to ask you also right now here, and it fits quite well, because at the beginning of the of your answer, you said that when you moved, for example, to Germany and when you spent your first season in Dresden, that the structure of how the practices are run is totally different. For example, here in Finland is that you have uh, five or six helping you with the five or six people helping you with the practices. When you moved with Dresden, there was, for example, only you and then there was Jochen who was helping you. And the question where I want to go is that, for example, because now you have been working, if I did the math correctly, you worked 12 years in Finland as a coach. And now you have been working, this is your fifth season in Germany, if, I, if I'm right. And my question for you is that from a development perspective and from the pathway, what is the, what is the difference between the development pathway um, for for Finnish players and German players, including everything, resources and all around these kind of things, and also the coaching. Um, well, I, I started first with where I am right now. Um, from the setup here, there's not many places in Finland where the setup is this great. We have arena, we have a practice rink in the same same building. We have everything centralized here where if we need to do do anything with with fitness or off ice we have um i don't know five six football fields track and field track um we have indoor sports hall next to it and all of these resources at our use the sports school is 500 meters away for the players there's no like setup and the the especially let's say it's a typical east german thing but from setup it's excellent like there's no excuses in that that there's not the possibility to develop i think the the biggest difference comes then to when we go to finland that more the i think it's also a knowledge thing and it's also a volume thing where i think finland has um is the number one sport in finland as football is in germany and ice hockey in germany maybe comes at Uh, whatever sixth place um and we don't have the same volume but i think football is the number one in germany where all the development and all the resources are putting and all the volume is also in and hockey is i think in the latest years i've what i've been following they're they're all the time thinking about how to improve things how to make things better um but i think all in all There's not enough clubs that have been doing it year by year in the structured fashion. When we think about uh, long-term development plans for from a small child up to when you play under 20 and the work that is need to put in in between those years, what is important, when, where should be the focus um, in certain um, ages. And then... Um, I think also then on the other hand of it, 
the level of competitiveness in the hockey field is very restricted. There's, for the most part, um, it's very centralized in some of the bigger clubs that are very strong. And then there's a lot of smaller clubs or upcoming clubs who really can't match that competition yet. Um, and it has to do with both long-term development, structured way of working as a club, as an organization, and also then with, with um, that there's just not the, the um, what I say, volume or, or the fuzz for hockey in many, many places in Germany because football is such a huge number one that whatever kid gets into um, football is more likely to play football than, than ice hockey. It's kind of two main things that I would bring up on that topic. Well, we've had a, a quite a, a series early on in our show exploring the different kind of development paths and, and everything of, of different countries. And we never got to explore Germany's, but we've always heard that, you know, recently they've been doing some some good things. So so hopefully they can continue down that track and and uh, keep pumping out some, some good hockey players as they've done in the recent years. But um, I want to go back to, to you as a coach and, and talk a little bit about the environment that you want to create for your for your players um, and, and the staff on your team and you've touched on a, a few pieces of it uh, throughout the conversation but specifically you know what do you want your players to feel as a member of your team how do you want them to be um, engaged in everything like that if that makes sense I don't know if it sounds corny but but kind of like that everyone feels that they're important and they're a part of the team they're an important part of the team no matter what their what their role is and I'm when I'm speaking about role I'm maybe talking then more about men's hockey or professional hockey or or then later competitive uh, level of uh, junior hockey but I think that's very important and in general that that you can you can feel free to be yourself um, within a team with the exception that the rule ha the team has certain rules everyone has to stay inside those borders but still you can show your own personality you can be yourself as long as you don't try to bend the team rules too much and i for me i always and i think kind of going back to the going from coaching women i think the the generation nowadays is also from, from the boys and the men's side is very different. I think they expect that as well. They expect more communication. They expect more, um, more wise and, and or more sit down with the coach and talk about my goals, I guess, like, which is, I think, a positive thing. I think it's, I take just Finland as an example. I think Finland went that path some years back and they changed more from thinking um, that's about team success and how the team does everything to also more putting focus on the individual and how we develop the individual. And I think the players, therefore, and their coaches have been got more used to that. That's a part of an everyday, 
everyday process uh, that that you really can be in any day everyday talk how you're doing or or what have you been up to to um, setting goals for the season or whatever it is and I think that's something that is still very different when I now then look at uh, working with with men and working with in a professional atmosphere that you can see that there's still um, different approaches to that from some coaches do it exactly that way they involve their players or much very much there's always open communication to on the other side um, pretty much saying nothing just uh, giving the players shit if 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 they don't perform and bottom line of course this is just my my thinking I think that can work when you're successful but when when you run into uh, trouble and when you run into to um, situations um, for example a losing streak or or there's whatever else problems inside the team then if you don't have that um, atmosphere where where there's open communication between players and coaches all the time maybe they don't say nothing or they kind of work against you because because um, when when the situation gets tough they they don't trust you anymore and they don't know if you're honest you know in the end of the day that's what I would wish it's also a corny way of saying it but but I I, I want to believe that if you do your job well as a head coach that the players also want to play for you even though they they play to win they play to compete they play for the team but that they also consider you a part of the team and not so that the team is in the locker room and then the coaching staff is separate from that I would, that would be the ideal ideal um, thing that that also when players think about their team they automatically think that the coaching staff is part of that team that's pretty yeah. much yeah and I think that I think that totally aligns also with a lot of things that I've been now experiencing here in Finland also the number one thing is for me that from a player's perspective it was for me that the most of the times that it was not that the coaching and the players were so close but it's just so essential that we are an equal part and we build equal relationships with the players i think and that it's um that that we actually as you said as well that we build an environment where they feel first of all we have been talking about this quite often also on the show but where they feel safe because i think if they feel safe then it's maybe easier for them to trust and also then they have the opportunity to develop confidence and that shows also in the game if you have confidence or if you don't have confidence so there there are so many factors uh, what you have been describing why this kind of environment can be beneficial for the learning and for the development of the players and the most yeah. important thing and I think the the big thing you just have to differentiate is that that um, trying to build that atmosphere when you're working in the pro pro world might cost you your job and that's mm. why you have to have the courage 
to still do it if that's what you believe. I've seen that happen too, that some people don't then trust themselves to do that because they know, you know, if it doesn't work, it's my job. And then I think when you work with juniors, that should be the starting point every time. You know, like it, there shouldn't be no really other way nowadays, I think. That's the modern way of doing things. And I think why I wanted to just bring it up is because we can we can try to hide and say that this is yada yada yada. But in the end of the day, when you're a pro coach, it's it's you either you either win enough game or you're out. So then you really need to know what your values are, how you want to do it. And a lot of times um, people don't then dare to go with their own philosophy in the end of the day because they're too scared of something going wrong and then they're going to lose their job. And that's kind of the, the ball game that is there. And I, it's easy, I say it for myself now too, that it's easy for me to say this, but I've really never um, been head coach of a pro team with that pressure on me as an assistant you can always you don't of course you have pressure but you don't have the same pressure as a head coach um and and therefore i have to be honest too i don't know how i could handle that that pushing my philosophy in and then also being the head coach of a pro team i've been in those environments yes but done in that role and it's Easier said than done, let's say it that way. And I think what you just said here is very, is pretty thought, thought provoking because if you are, well, also for, well, for me, it's still quite far away this level, but still just thinking about to the people we had on the show who have been coaching already on the professional level, pro professional level and have been head coach there as well, is that just from the, mental perspective it's that what kind of pressure is there and i think that's also maybe it's also a cultural thing um maybe in that country it's more maybe in that country you have the opportunity to um, work according to your core values and your coaching philosophy a little bit more but at the end of the day it's what you just mentioned that at the end of the day coaching on the professional level is closely connected with 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 um with With, with making outcomes um, and with bringing results. So I think that's that's such an important thing what we have been highlighting here and just the mental pressure you have as a head coach. It must be very imagined. I think it's, for me, it's always tough to speak about these things if you haven't been experiencing these things. You, you, can, you can try to speak about these things, but I think the most you learn about these things if you have been in this situation by yourself. And But overall, um, it has been a very interesting conversation and i really enjoyed it that we had the opportunity now to speak uh to speak to you because as we said at the beginning that basically you introduced me to viromeki so now we know each other for now four years or something so it was uh it was really great that we finally finally had the opportunity to get you on and our last question is that um, if you could speak to young Petrik pivara what would you tell to him um i would To, to some extent, um, be a tiny bit more confident. I think sometimes um, it took a little while for me to find my, my confidence in coaching and that I know that I, that I got certain things. 
Um, and I think to, to some extent, I wasn't too bad, but I think all of you know the feeling of when you go to school, you learn a lot, you think you know a lot, but um, there is nothing that you can't, that you can still, um, how would I say, compared to also then um, coaching for some years and gathering experience and building a broader perspective around things also like, well, as an example, how, which way to play the game? What is your philosophy? Um, yes, I thought I knew that for sure some years back, but the more, more I talk with people, the more I get to work with other people, it also broad, broaders my thinking of, of um, not necessarily that I changed the way I think, but also that there's other ways and don't think that, or like not, I think as a younger coach, I was a lot of times more like, well, um, if he doesn't um, think the same way I do, then I don't talk with him. Not, not necessarily that way, but you, that, just to bring my point, instead of that's exactly why I want to talk with him because he's probably thought his thing through and why he does what he thinks. And then that's the really the interesting discussion for just as an example, why do we want to play as a five man unit together or break out with five men instead of we stretch out with one or two guys and it's completely different. But then again, the other coach has a, as a purpose for it and he has also then his practice planning for that how we learn to play that way and then when you talk to a guy like that then it makes a lot more sense then when you watch how 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 they work how how they do their daily practice then it makes a lot more sense and it's just a different touch to it all and still um it broaders your thinking so much and also that brings so much variety to your you your options as a coach instead of just always sticking to the same thing no matter what. I think having that mentality more to be open for and especially learning from from other people. Um, I think that's what I would would have said to myself. But like I said, I wasn't too bad with that, that I wasn't bad-mouthing anyone, but I maybe had a little bit too much of a strong own mind um, to different things than what I didn't maybe agree with. Well, I think that's a good place to, to end it. So, Petri, thank you for your time and just for your insights and your information. It was a, a pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, really appreciate your time. and. Um, best of luck with the remainder of the season and, and moving into next year. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a, have a good day. Thank you, thank you for having me and uh, have a good starting spring. Well, once again, thanks to Petri for the conversation today. Uh, it was a lot of fun to get to know him and to get to know his path a little bit. And I think the, the place I want to start this reflection on is just the how he was describing the role of a coach. And, you know, it, it goes back to that thing that we talk about so much is that the first thing you need to realize when you're coaching is that you're, you're working with humans, you're working with people, and you're working with individuals. And I think that, you know, we can talk about that. 
over and over again and, and, and how important it is to connect with them in some way and, and kind of build that relationship and everything like that and treat them more than just an athlete. Um, but for this one, I want to focus on how he was describing the difference between coaching at the men's level or the, the level where, you know, you need to win and, and then coaching at the juniors level. And I think the importance dif- and the important difference he had there is that, you know, at the men's level, you can kind of change your game plan or change your coaching um, development plan in order to, to win this game, because, you know, you need to win to survive as a coach at some levels. And I think that's, that was a really interesting difference to the, the junior side when he said that, you know, it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're down one goal with two minutes left or anything like that. It, he just said that, you know, it doesn't change. Your, your plan for development doesn't change. You, you, you still tell your players just to play and just to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes and just take chances and, and encourage your players to, to not be afraid to just, to just play. And I think that was a really interesting and really uh, important distinction that he made there. Yeah, I think also overall the entire conversation, I've, I really liked how reflective Petteri was talking and how many comparisons he was drawing over. And I think just what I've been enjoying so much about the conversation, I just need to say it one more time, is that it's so fascinating to see that um, when I moved there in 2017, I I had no idea actually what I want to do next year. I, originally, I wanted to use this year as a gap year to figure out that what I'm going to do next. And then I then I met Petri and then he introduced me to the program. It's 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 very it's very memorable and it's very crazy to see how the path has been developing um, for all, for everyone you get you get to speak to and also just overall again that we said it in the intro but it's just so fascinating to see that Petri got to know some of the people here in Viromeki already when we're studying and then also from the people we had on it's just so interesting to explore how their path went and I think what what otherwise what I have been also enjoying a lot about the conversation is um, his core values and I think the, the ones he mentioned hard honest work talk less do more and involving the players um, well I got to know him personally and I've been working with him one year and I had the opportunity to go also with him on the ices during the season um, that was really really kind from all the coaches that I have the, had the opportunity to go with the from really I had the opportunity to go from under eight to under 20s with all the coaches on the ice and um, the points that hard honest work and I think that's um, you really see that he displays that in his behavior and also the thing is that um, the point talk less do more at the beginning maybe that's because you know in Germany you, you do a lot of talking sometimes that's not a I mean overall as, as a person and maybe that's not not only because of the culture but that's at least I mean maybe at the beginning I was doing a bit more talking of doing and then you get to get to meet Petri and he really he really he talks but he when he talks it's it's sensual talk and it's uh, for provoking talk and it's supportive talk and it's um, straight talk as has been mentioning also and then when he steps on the ice he really develops the players and he's really capable to coach them and on the other side as been has been also mentioning that inside this coaching he's he's involving the players in the process so i think that's it's it's i definitely i feel the way that the core values he has been describing he lifts them up and he's doing those quite <laughs> pretty pretty good i would say 
Yeah, and it, it shows as well in his environment. We asked him to describe what, what he wants his players to feel on his team, and that shows as well there that the first thing he said was that everyone feels important and everyone feel, understands their role and everyone has a role to begin with. And I, I think that, you know, that, you know, he may be talking about playing roles as well, but I, I think that goes in a little bit to involving the players. You know, every player has a, has a role to be involved with the team and to be a member of the team and, and in some way can make decisions with the team. And, and I think he, he mentioned that he wants to be able to, to kind of discuss and, and solve the, the situations that arise with the team and with the players and everything like that. And then the other way that, that I think he lives up with that value is that he mentioned that he doesn't want the players to see the coaches separately, right? He wants, he wants them to just see them as part of the team and everyone is just around uh, and, and, and on the same page and on the same level. And I think that was um, something that was really important as well and, and something that shows that he lives up his values there as well. And I, speaking about the environment, I, I think, you know, he, he said right, right away that it may be cheesy, but uh, it, it really, it, it really is so true and so simple that, you know, everyone needs to feel important, that, that competency and that the relatedness and, and understand and understand that role that that ties into that autonomy piece and that, and also that competence piece. And I, but I, the, the piece that I really like is that he mentioned that it's, it's good to have team roles and you should have team roles, but still encourage everyone and allow everyone to be themselves as long as, you know, like as, as long as they're not doing anything to, to break down those rules of the team, like they should still be encouraged to, to be themselves and to, to really truly live as themselves. And I think that was a, a really important piece of the environment. Uh, that he wants to create with his team. Yeah, I think that's also something I can relate to because when I was applying to Viromeki and when I was doing, um, because if you apply to Viromeki, you have to do a video about yourself. You have to perform a few coaching demonstrations and you have to answer a few questions in the video. And um, when I was doing this, obviously this is, I've never, I've never filmed myself coaching before that. I have never filmed myself when I was saying something. So obviously, there was some some tension in my body and in my mind and um the, he just told me that the only what that confirms it as well with the environment that just need to try to be myself and then um that's 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 the most essential thing um if you do something overall and if you are also for that application process and that has been that has been helping um me quite much also during the process that i really have been conscious about the the fact that if I'm just being myself and I'm just explaining the way I feel, the way I see the things, um, then this might be the best opportunity for me to get accepted for the program. And I also that what I really enjoyed about that, because when we were speaking about, or when he was comparing and contrasting the roles between um, a head and an assistant coach, because um, as an assistant coach, meanwhile, it has, totally change it's not just you're not just a guy who takes the pucks sets the pucks up next to the to the blue line and the ideal coaching world i think as Petri has been mentioning it must be a very cooperative work and especially if your assistant coach has something to offer what you might not know what you're not able to teach or what you're not able to implement then it's such from pivotal relevance that you make use of your assistant coach and that you really involve the entire coaching stuff 
in the in the entire team development process and on the other side of the coin i found the perspective also very uh it was very curious for me that how he, how he has been describing to explore this that as a head coach that he wants to give the assistant coach a lot of responsibilities with the example that the assistant coach for example they are running the pk or the pp and he's just observing us and as we said in the this is just so crucial because it goes back to the self-determination fear that the people feel autonomy and that they are motivated through that because he has been mentioning also that in these situations, if that if you don't have that motivation and if you don't have that responsibility and that autonomy, then then also from for coaches it can be or from coaching, then the enjoyment piece might be not as big and the motivation decreases a lot. And I think that's just so crucial the communication here and the cooperation inside the coaching stuff yeah i would say so for sure and you know i think that it was really interesting because we asked him what has had the biggest impact on his coaching and and i think that it was really important to me for me to hear that you know he's he's learned from things that he doesn't want to do and i think that's the it's something that's really important for for young coaches to hear um i think is that it's okay to to not like everything that you see but it's also good if you can learn from things that you don't that you don't like or necessarily agree with or anything like that and you can learn that you don't want to be that way as a coach and I I think that was really important for me to learn early on uh, in my in my first club and I think that I, I I think it's important for every young coach to understand that that it's it's okay to to not agree with everything that you see and, and everything that is done around you and as long as you, you know, you don't just put up a fit, right. You, 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 you take it and you internalize it and then you, you improve your own coaching with knowing that you don't want to do it like that. So I think that was a, a really important thing for me to hear him say, uh, and that, that he ex- kind of learned how to take, take things that he doesn't want to do in his own coaching and, and learn from that as well. Yeah. I think also the way how he's been explaining everything was very in depth. And also that example he was providing, he was providing a very in-depth answer. And it's what I've been also enjoying so much about the conversation is that when we asked him a question that it was a very, all the time, it was a very reflective answer and very thought-provoking. And my final thought here at the end of the recording is that for me, it's just that so great to see the way Petteri went. I mean, the path Petteri went because he has been doing so many different things. He was, he's played as a goalie, then he was working as a goalie coach and he was a head of coaching in Heinola Kiako. He was uh, an assistant coach of the women's team. He was as a he was a head of coaching in in um, in Saipa and Lappenranta. And now he's he's working with the with the men's and in Germany he was working with the juniors. So he's been doing a lot of things. And I think you can really see in his answers that how much things he has been taking away from coaching the women's and the people he has been met there and the people that he's been working there. So the overall, the path is just very, um, very great. was just very great for me to explore and just uh, making it one more time pretty vividly for me, even though I, I can say that I know I'm quite well on his path, but some of the things um, have been, have been become more clear for me as well now. Yeah, it was interesting because I think it's one of the, one of the coaches that we've had on for these Thursday episodes that, that has the, the most variety in their path, I would say. So it was interesting to hear that and how he's kind of internalized that all. But I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up for today. So thank you, everybody, for listening. 
we hope you enjoyed our, our conversation with Petri Kilpivara. And uh, we will see everyone on Monday um, for another episode of the Coaches Road Podcast. Thanks.